Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. I'm, of course, Nick Romberner, joined, as always, by Chris Burke. Chris, uh, we were just talking before we hit record here, and um, in terms of busy weeks or news weeks, <laughs> I would say this one for the Lions has to rank up there pretty high, considering that I, like, kind of half forgot that Stafford is about to be traded. Because I was like, "Which? what should we start with? Oh, yeah, Stafford, by the way, there's a thousand other things... Welcome back to the podcast. There's a lot going on, Chris. Can we can we unpack some of this uh, for the people here today? Yeah, it's it's been a week, like a, eight has, days yeah. since the since Brad Holmes was introduced. <laughs> I feel like yeah. a whole Ooh. ton of things have happened. Yeah, we right. kind of like we had like seven episodes in a row during the season where you're like, well, I don't know what to talk about. These games <laughs> all look the same, and now <laughs> the it's entire organization is being turned over. Yeah, uh, by the end of the month, it seems like. So yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, it's been kind of fascinating to watch it happen. I don't know that the Lions, like obviously they knew Stafford had this request in and they were going to start shopping him. I don't know that they were planning to do it 48 hours after the Dan Campbell press yeah. conference. Uh, and so I think that you know that that's why there maybe was a little bit of damage control after that. So it didn't seem like he was asking to leave because he saw the Dan Campbell press right. conference. It was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that's probably where we should start. I guess. Yeah, with let's Stafford, start with that. But there's a lot to get through here. We'll get to all of it as much as we can anyway on this one. But we'll start with Stafford because it's obviously the most important or notable thing because of how it's going to shape the franchise and everything else. But you mentioned it, and and I'll try to reset us here before we get into it, and I'll ask your thoughts on it. But you know, Stafford, per everything we've been told, you know, went to the Lions. Um, at around the end of the season or shortly after the season it ended. Is that right? So, shortly after the season? Yeah, I think right it after. It, I mean, I think sometime after week 17, but like... Yeah. Yeah. It, so days. you would think probably within a few days maybe. And, um, you know, expressed to the Lions that, you know, he felt it was in the best interest of both parties. Uh, the time was right to move forward without each other. So, you know, a trade. Um, the Lions apparently, you know, tabled that continued to talk with Stafford during the, the process of uh, both searches and ultimately, it was revealed over the weekend whether it, <laughs> like you say, Chris, whether that comes from Stafford leaking that out to get that thing rolling, or the Lions, I don't know. But it was revealed, obviously, this weekend the Lions are in agreement with Stafford that they are going to explore a trade for him um, only if they get fair market value in return, which we don't think should be a problem. Uh, so let's just start at the top, Chris. None of this is probably surprising. I don't think it surprised either of us. There were there was a couple of minutes there in the in the in between time that I wondered, are they going to really try to run this back and sort of to me fool yourself into thinking that it was going to be able to turn around quickly, or are they going to make a really difficult decision and sort of pull the band aid? Stafford might have pulled it for him, but uh, you know I don't know. How do you sort of before we get into Stafford's legacy and everything else, how do you sort of read this whole situation? It feels to me that this was the only move the Lions really t needed to, the, the only responsible move anyway, and I guess we'll see here, but what's your sort of, your initial thoughts on um, on how it all kind of came out? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason why the Lions maybe wanted to wait is because of that fair mar market value thing. I think they were, A, trying to make sure that, you know, they didn't get stuck looking like they're just totally desperate to deal yeah. him, and then B, they wanted to maybe sort of uh, hedge their bets in case no one called, and then you say, well, all right, well, we tried, Matthew, but mm -hmm. we didn't get anything. And I guess that you know, there's still like a 1% chance that that happens. But like you said, I think he's going to have 
I mean, I think there will be teams that are willing to go up at least a first-round pick for him. The Lions probably will ask for a little bit more than that, depending on which first-round pick we're talking about. But, you know, you're still uh, – <laughs> yeah, I mentioned this in our, uh, like, internal Slack channel. It's been kind of fascinating to watch the conversation on Stafford unfold over the past few days here because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. people are now talking about him like he's this – Guy who's right. going to come in and win a Super Bowl for a team. No questions when, asked. Yeah, right. When for all these years, all we've heard about is, well, he's a pretty good quarterback. You know, he's right. uh, he's carried them, but, you know, it's kind of a cap on what he can do. And now the conversation's – now that he's on the verge of maybe not being a lion anymore, we're, it seems like the narrative has shifted quite a bit on him. So yeah. uh, be curious to see where that all lands. But I do think that that, you know, at, at some point along the way, I made that point about him is that the way people here, you know, uh, talked about him and, and to some degree the way people nationally talked about him as a lion was totally different than the way people within the league looked at Matthew Stafford. Yeah. General managers, yeah. other players, guys he's played with, they look at him and they see the guy that you're hearing about now. You know, they're seeing a guy with a huge arm that can can perform in the clutch. He plays through injuries. He's great in the locker room. Salary's very manageable the next couple of years, and you see why he's you know why there would be you know ten, twelve, fifteen teams, however many end up calling and saying, uh, yeah, we're interested. Let us know what you want. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation for sure, and you're, that's a great point because you know when you go back and look at Stafford's career, so much of it is, you know, based on what was happening around him. And in some ways, I wonder sometimes if people looked back at all the years he played with Calvin Johnson, and maybe if they centered on, you know, well Stafford's numbers are crazy, but he has Calvin, so like that's probably why. I wondered if that you know sometimes maybe was part of the reason for what you're talking about, whereas. You know, for years it seemed like, well, Stafford's just a guy, and now suddenly he's not. But if you look at this closely, the last two seasons, especially the beginning of 2019, and I would argue fighting through injury this year and, you know, playing on a pretty bad team, were pretty efficient, you know, years uh, for Stafford. The last two years, I thought, despite all of the other junk going on, and obviously it's a smaller sample size, he put together two pretty efficient years. It, It hadn't been... That, you know, 17 and 18 weren't great. 16 was a solid year. 14, 15 wasn't great. It had been a little up and down, but then it sort of seemed to level back out. And I, I feel like the opinion on him over the last two years especially, um, at least for my end, I don't know if you, you, will you disagree, but I feel like the opinion on Stafford league-wide has elevated over the last two years as people have sort of looked into the Lions situation and been like, well, he's still there doing it. Calvin's not here anymore, and we don't know, you know, he's still making plays. So to me, I feel like this is, they're in a great, the Lions are in a great spot here because I think anyway, I could be wrong. We can, we'll see how it goes, but you know, you mentioned a first round pick for sure coming back. I almost wonder if it's a first and a second or a first and a third. I, I think that he's not a guy who's going to come in and automatically win a Super Bowl for you, but I think that a guy who's played through all this, all these injuries, he's played with a bunch of different players, a bunch of different coaches, a bunch of different systems, and he's leveled out now, and he's sort of proving to be that kind of veteran quarterback with the arm, that this is suddenly a very, very valuable trade piece. And it, it makes a lot of sense to me, but like I said, like you said earlier, I can understand that maybe people are a little over-aggressive on their thought of what he think, what they think he's yeah. going to do. But at the same time, for the Lions right now, I, I would say let that thing run wild. You you want to let that go as, as far as you can. Let Indianapolis think that he is going to come in here and change the franchise. Who knows? 
But I think that it's a great situation for the Lions. I mean, they, they, they should get a good return. Do we feel like that? I mean, I don't know what exactly it'll be, but it, I'm trying to think of scenarios that would arise in the next month or two that would change that, and I don't know if there are any. I feel like this is going to be a good return. Yeah, I mean, we're really talking about, uh, like, Deshaun Watson, I guess, being on the block could impact this, but that's, you know, one team that can pick him up. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be drafted, but as we've already kind of talked about, like, beyond Trevor Lawrence, yeah, Zach Wilson looks nice, Justin Fields looks nice, Trey Lance looks like he could be really nice, but mm-hmm. you're not drafting one of those guys if you're thinking you're going to win the Super Bowl next year. And so right. I think that that... Uh, you know, again, maybe Stafford is that guy. I think that everyone's kind of curious. I mean, at least I'm curious to see him. Like, if they're going to trade him, I hope he lands with a playoff contender because I would love to see oh, him yeah. play in some I big games in January and just see what it looks like again. Um, and I think, you know, obviously this is going to depend on what you're where you're talking about trading him. If it's Carolina, for example, and they're picking eight, then maybe you just get eight and mm-hmm. something little down the line. But like the Colts at 21. You know, that's a team that was at least like a borderline Super Bowl contender this year. You add Stafford next year, I'm sure they'd look at themselves as a Super Bowl contender, be expecting to pick in the, you know, 25 to 32 range. So maybe yeah. they do give you two first round picks and say, well, you know, what's a what's number 28 next mm-hmm. year if we can get our guy who's going to take us uh, deep into the playoffs. So I think that there is the possibility that they really get a big return here again i mentioned the contract i mean uh, not to go back to the colts but they paid philip rivers 25 million last year stafford would be on the books for 20 million this coming year and i think you certainly can make the case matthew stafford is a better quarterback right now than philip rivers was uh in 2020 so um (laughs) yeah i mean if you're gonna trade a guy you're in a pretty good spot with him it is sort of interesting going back through those years as you were talking about because uh you can as you piece back through it, you can see sort of what everyone's been talking about. Obviously, the last three years are kind of a wash. Uh, you know, he had like Jim Bob Cooter, Joe Lombardi as offensive yeah. coordinator. The Joe Lombardi one, that's sort of the one you always go back to because 2014, that team, that defense was good enough to go to the Super Bowl. They had Calvin Johnson. You know, mm-hmm. they, they had an offense that could move the ball and – Stafford had a coordinator he didn't really quick, it quick just wasn't good, so you yeah. kind of right. look back and say well what if he'd had Daryl Bevel that year or mm-hmm. <laughs> something else maybe that would have been the year for them and I think that would have changed a lot of the the talk about I think that would have changed a lot of things even if it you was, win that yeah. Cowboys game so um I don't know I mean what do you think is yeah you mentioned first and the third like when we talk about fair market value it's kind of hard to sort of pin this down but is there a like if they get just a first round pick, are you going to think that this is a bad trade for them? Like, is that enough to get rid of your the face of your franchise? I no, yeah, I think they need more than that. Um, you know, I think it's got to be more than one first. Um, you know, when we went through sort of some of these scenarios earlier this week, and we wrote a story about it, um, I'd wondered about that, right? Like we did the Carolina hypothetical, and it was like, okay, well that one would make sense. That's a that's number eight, which would be the pick if they were to do that. Uh, you you would expect maybe something back in return, maybe next year, maybe a later, maybe a third rounder, maybe something else this year, whatever it would be. But when you looked at Indy's situation, Indianapolis, and to me, Indianapolis, San Francisco, and I guess probably the Saints would be the ones, but be the teams that I've sort of looked at and said, those are the three, especially Indianapolis is probably number one in terms of, you know, logical fits that would make sense. And the Colts, you know, giving up, 
I believe it's do they have they have the one the twenty one and then I think we had twenty one and fifty four, which was a second round pick. To me, like is that too much? I don't think so. To me, that looked no. That looked reasonable. That you know, Indy was going to give up twenty one and fifty four in that scenario. You mentioned that they could carry his salary. They paid Rivers more. I think for Indy and their situation, you know, with their offensive line being as good as it is, with the run game being as solid solid as it is, uh, all the work they've done on that defense, Stafford should be able to come into that situation with his ability to work play action with a good run game if they can keep him upright. I feel like Indianapolis is like the perfect fit. But what I'm interested to see here is going forward, and this is the stuff we never really know, you know, how competitive are you know are the teams going to be in that marketplace for him? And that's where the, you know, the trade packages change because if if Indy comes in and nobody's going to push because they just think that, well, Indy's going to do whatever, you know, maybe they settle for less, but you know, you'd like to see if San Francisco could get in there and maybe drive that value up. New Orleans doesn't have a lot of assets. But, you know, when I've looked at this, like I feel like it's gotta be a one and then something else on day two, you know, if it's a lower one this yeah. year. You know, that's that's sort of what I'm looking at if I'm the Lions and saying mm-hmm. he's worth a one and a two, a late one and a late two. I think he's worth that right now. I think he's worth maybe a mid one and a three if you wanted to go that far. But, you know, he's good. And for those two teams that we just mentioned, San Francisco and Indy, like, he would change a ton, like, immediately for both both sides. We saw Indianapolis in the playoffs just a couple weeks ago. Put Stafford out, out there instead of Phillip Rivers. I think it's a different answer. Maybe not. But, like, I, I feel like those teams right now are in positions, especially Indianapolis, where it's like, you got to do what you got to do. I think Zach Kiefer wrote that the other day. They got to do it. So if you're the Lions, you're hoping that you can at least push and force them into a situation where you're not going to get fleeced. And we'll get into this later. They, they've established themselves now with some front office pieces that maybe will put them in a position to, you know, hold their ground and say, we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to give up less. We're going to make sure that we get what we want out of this. And, you know, I think that that's, that's a fair situation. Yeah. I mean, I think that this also sort of goes back to just how the NFL in general approaches draft picks. Like, yeah, if you get, point. if you think Matthew Stafford is a guy who can get you division titles, can challenge for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Is going right to stay now. healthy to play four or five more years. You can get him signed to an extension. Like a first and a second round pick is nothing compared yeah. to having a quarterback in place. So, uh, you know, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network said um, close to a third of the league had called about the Lions already about Stafford. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. that, you know, that's like 10 or so. Uh, yeah. I was trying to go down and do the math on. Uh, what teams? Yeah, maybe eight that, to ten. That would be, there. and I think it's most of the ones you know that you would think. Carolina, as you mentioned, Denver, San Francisco. I'm assuming New England maybe is in that list with, mm-hmm. at 15, and then um, you know kind of get further down the line. I think what's what I don't know, and I would be curious to hear, is if any teams picking ahead of Detroit are yeah. calling. If the Jets or uh, maybe Miami is calling. Uh, uh, I'm assuming Jacksonville isn't calling, even no, though Darren Bevel's there. But yeah. you know, Atlanta would be tough. But like, yeah, especially the tough. Jets and Miami. Like, I wonder if there's a team up there that if they're looking again, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot to think that they would trade the type of assets it would take to get Stafford, pick, take on that contract, and and give up the opportunity to pick, you know, the number two quarterback in this draft. But I'd be curious to hear just sort of where the starting point is for what the Lions are could get back. Um, but as we talked about, like this was, 
either you tried to stay the course with a new scheme and a new system and and the entire front office, the entire coaching staff changing over and just try to keep it together for another year or two with Stafford, or you really had to do this. Like this, this was really the only way forward. They have five picks. Like you're not rebuilding with what they had in place. No, Uh, no, not at all. And I think that like, and I'll, we did, so it's a little inside baseball here. We did a our, we did a mock draft. What was it last <laughs> Thursday or Friday? Like yeah. we ran through one before news had come down that they were you know going to be okay with trading him. So we just went through the five picks, right? We just went through the five picks and just said, okay, what's this board look like? And it was just kind of an exercise, more or less, for our own benefit. And we thought we'll see what happens here. So you go through that whole thing, and then what what becomes clear to you immediately when you only have the five picks is like this is nowhere near enough. <laughs> Not only is it nowhere near enough to, and this is, you know, we're picking these picks based on, you know, I think that it was two schools of thought for me. I, you know, in one hand, I looked at it as I'm taking these things and saying, okay, Stafford's not going to be here. What would you do if he's not here? What would you do if he is here? If he was here, the five picks weren't going to be enough to get your defense into any kind of reasonable position to where you were going to get a significant talent upgrade in a year. That wasn't going to happen. And then the second part of that was, is you weren't going to have enough to give Stafford the extra help that he needs or would have needed to get the offense from, you know, pretty good to elite. Because that's what would have had to happen. It would have had to go from pretty good to one of the best units in football. Like, that's what their offense, if you wanted to keep him, and, you know, if you determined as a front office, like, we think Stafford could play five more years, like you're saying, you know, Basically, at this point, if you wanted to keep him, you probably were going to need to extend him, I would think, or or work on that on some level. I guess he did have the, the extra year left, but you just looked at it every which way, and you were like, they need more assets on both sides if they're going to keep him. It doesn't make any sense. There would be no guarantee that they'd be any better than they are right now next year, maybe worse, um, but certainly not much better, I wouldn't think. Uh, you know, And that's the case as every year goes on from there. So the more we went into that, I was just like, they have to, you know, they have to trade him. There's no, there's no getting around this. It can't, it would just work out best for all parties, you know, if you trade him and and if you have a front office that can take, take those picks and reinvest them properly, all those things are hypotheticals. Of course, we'll see if it happens. But, you know, the, the more we sort of cut this up over the last month, I just didn't see any way that that was going to be the best option. Like Daryl Bevel getting this job didn't feel like the best option if you were just going to base it on how the season ended for the same reason. I just, I know that people have positive vibes about Stafford right now because, you know, how hard he plays and everything else and and how well he's played over the last two years. But like, we've seen what this team is with, with Stafford out. It's not enough and you need a lot more and it just wasn't going to be enough. So, you know, that's where I landed up before the news even came down. I was just kind of like, we're going to have to write something about how they probably need to trade him because this isn't going to work. And, you know, you know, we got lucky there. We didn't have to write that, but like that's you know that's uh, sort of how I landed on it. Yeah, and just again, just to go th- those mocks that you and I did. Like I, I started with Micah Parsons. You started with Jalen Waddle. We yeah. each came out of there with three defensive guys and two offensive guys, but neither of us took a quarterback because no. we were assuming at that point Stafford was still going to be there, and it didn't right. really like beyond those top four. You're kind of I don't know how much sense it would have made anyway. Um, Maybe maybe like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or someone, but we didn't right. we didn't take either of those guys, and so yeah, it was that's like I felt better about the defense after we got done with that. Like I thought, all right, you got two or three pieces that maybe can start for you that sure. should help, and yeah. 
but it certainly wasn't where I was looking at it and thinking like, oh, well, we fixed this thing, man. <laughs> like no. this is yeah. nine. They're, gonna be ready. they're at yeah. least going nine and seven next year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can understand. I think there's already has been a lot of discussion. I'm sure there will continue to be a lot of discussion about Stafford trying to f- force the Lions' hand here. Um, and I right, can understand yeah. it from his side of things, too. I mean, I certainly get it after 12 seasons, seeing where the roster was, seeing what this is going to take, like just sort of understanding where he is in his career. Uh, and as we've said, like, I don't. He loves playing football. I think he's going to play for a few more years, but this isn't a Tom Brady situation happening mm. here. Like, I, I don't think, think so. he's playing when he's 43, 44. Yeah. Like, I think he got 36, 37. Yeah, maybe 37, maybe. Is what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and so he's already going to be 33. So I think he's looking at this uh, much the same way we all are and saying, well, this is going to be a little bit in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Let me go try it somewhere else. And so I certainly can't fault him for that. Um, do you think the timing here, or just how this happened, is going to hurt them at all? And I've seen that kind of talking point too—that just yeah. because it's out there that he wants to leave, they won't be able to get as much value for him. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I—I I guess I don't really follow that line of thinking as much because that would, you know, it's all going to depend on you know what these teams, how badly they want him anyway. So if they know that. Right. If you know he's out there or not, like if it's in public or not, to me that's, you know, because last year when we looked at this, you know, when it was clunky, right, where there was these awkward reports that maybe they were going to move on from him or maybe not or whatever, and none of them were verified, and then the Lions just came out immediately and were like, those are all completely false, it's no no truth to it, Matthew Stafford's our quarterback, all this, that, and the other, and that I thought was a strategic error. And I, I could understand it to a, to a degree because you don't want Stafford to think that you're, you know, whatever, but like... You know, it was an awkward situation. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia were entering into what we all knew was going to be probably their final year, the whole thing. <laughs> but that, to me, right. took away a lot of their bargaining power because, you know, you know, the idea that maybe the Lions would take a quarterback at three would have been part of the reason why, you know, they'd have the ability to trade that pick, and that obviously didn't happen. But in this case, I feel like I don't know if I agree with it being out in public is going to hamper their ability to make a trade or ability to get a good return back. I, I don't think that that'd be the case. I think that, number one, you weren't going to be able to keep this a secret for <laughs> for two and a half months. That was probably going to be impossible. But I just think that his value right now is good. I think it's a, he's, he's like we've talked about, there's multiple teams. You don't have to like squint or try hard to think about situations that he could enter and give them a better opportunity than they currently, you know, than those teams had recently. And I, I think that there's, the fact that there's multiple teams out there that there's nothing they can say in any kind of like gamesmanship manner or lie or whatever to make that any less clear to me, the Lions I think are in a good situation. I I, I just don't see them getting fleeced here on this. I don't know how that would go. I think you just hold on there. Obviously, if teams want to balk at it and make you wait and, and drag their feet, maybe that would get a little tougher as we get into you know, February, March, because they do have a timeline here a little bit, right? I mean, they've got to get him out of there before, because what the number goes down well, they, or yeah, way up own, after. Yeah, they own June. the ten million, like the ten million dollar roster bonus for this coming season mm-hmm. or for twenty twenty one kicks in the fifth day of the league year. So whatever that it's like March March something nineteenth yeah. or whatever something in there. So once that date hits, then they would that goes on the Lions books, yeah, like officially. So they'd be. 
So then to trade him after that, you'd be eating, you know, the 19 million in dead cap that you already would be eating because that's part of the signing bonus right. that stays. And you'd be picking that up. So you'd be paying him $29 million this right. year to go pay, play somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously not ideal. I mean, not impossible, I guess, that that happens. And then you say, well, w- look, we paid him the $10 million, Give us another third-round pick. Like, I yeah. think that that's possible. But Certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think that uh, – I think we – probably overestimate how much we think gms get from like reading twitter i guess yeah. not from the back channels and uh, you know they also interviewed um you know as we said stafford told them right after the season that this was a yeah. possibility they continued to talk to people about it in interviews they told them that this was right either possible or probable and so you had not just Brad Holmes in here, but you interviewed uh, George Payton, who's now in Denver, and you interviewed two guys with the Saints, and you <laughs> interviewed, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, just other people who either would be interested and and Ed Dodds, you know, Ed Dodds came in and interviewed. So you interviewed people with these organizations who might be looking for a quarterback. Then, you know, two three weeks ago, we're going back to their where they already are and saying, "Oh, the Lions are maybe going to trade Matthew yeah. Stafford if you guys want to start working on that a little bit." Um, so I think, I don't know that it really hurts him. I think it just boils down to like the same thing we've been talking about. If you want a quarterback, if you think you, Stafford's your guy, I don't know that you're going to go lowball anyone for him because there are going to be other teams who the Lions should, if the Lions do this right, they should at least be able to dangle those other team names and say, well, I would think so. We yeah. heard the 49ers might be interested. Uh, yeah. How bad do you and, want to see what you can get? Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's how you play it. That's the only way to do it. And I think that they're in a situation at least to where they have some of those chips in their hand. I, I think they're in a good spot. We'll see how it sort of goes as, as it moves forward. I don't know if there's anything imminent on the way is, you know, it's been reported that teams are just reaching out, but before we move on to some other stuff, just in general here. And I, you know, I suppose maybe, maybe even this could be its own episode someday, but like St- Stafford's career in Detroit was a long one. Uh, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of opinions, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of takes. Um, you know, it was a it was a interesting ride, as unique a ride in one in in one era or one team or whatever. I guess that we've seen probably in recent years. Um, I'll let you sort of your your overall sort of approach, thought, whatever. And I don't I don't know if it's easy or hard to do this, but like you know, looking back on Stafford's twelve years, especially the last you know maybe half of it. Um, and all the near misses and all the ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just in general, I think people already appreciate it. But this is one of those things where once he leaves, I think you'll get more of an appreciation for just that this was yeah the the best quarterback that the Lions have ever had. He's one of the greatest players they've ever had. He was the face of this franchise for over a decade. Um, and I think the one thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough and deserves to is just the amount of stuff that he and his wife Kelly did behind the scenes within mm-hmm. the community is kind of immeasurable. I, I know people, you know, always the Stafford like Christmas gifts at the end of the year where they'd adopt families, but that sort of stuff happened all the time with Matthew Stafford giving back his time or, or donating money yeah. or whatever. So I think that that's something that he probably deserves credit for too. Um, in terms of his career, I mean, I think there's, you know, you're already seeing people grouping it in with Barry, with Calvin Johnson. Well, the Lions wasted this. Uh, yeah. And that's probably true <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I also will say, like, it's – I don't know that there have been that many guys, uh, you know, of his stature and of his longevity that have had such a – so many ebbs and flows throughout mm-hmm. their career with the same team because it started off, you know, he's the number one pick coming in right after they'd gone – Oh, and 16, you thought he was going to change the franchise, and then he couldn't stay healthy the first two years, and so he had this injury-prone tag attached to him. Oh, yeah, everybody thought he was going to be done, remember? Yeah, right, and then the two years after, then they won 10 games in 2011. Those next two years, he would just throw the ball everywhere because they had Calvin Johnson. He led the league in in passing attempts, and they couldn't get over the top then, and then they bring in uh, Joe Lombardi and... Now that he's a check down quarterback and that doesn't work. Mm. And it, like, it's just, and now you can circle back to the, the end of the line here. And 2019, he was playing like an MVP candidate. 2020, I mean, yeah. He probably should have sat down about week nine this year and just rested and yeah. he kept <laughs> battling through it all. Uh, and so I think that, you know, his legacy is going to be a tough one to nail down beyond just sort of generically calling him as good a quarterback as this franchise has ever had. And, it is a shame that they didn't get more out of it, but I, I don't know. How much of that do you pull aside from his legacy? Like, is that part of it too? Yeah, I think it win? is. I think it has yeah. to be. Um, I think that all of it is. It's so that's why he's so unique. I think all of it has to be in the same pot, and you can't. You know, I think that I agree. You know, I agree with you. I mean, I think Matthew Stafford in his prime, when he's healthy, had more than enough ability and more than enough football IQ. Um, to where if the Lions were even in a reasonable situation with a competent coaching staff or at least a stable you know, front office situation, a stable coaching staff that you weren't constantly worrying about, you know, whatever. If they could have just got one hand talking to the other, I think that he had more than enough ability to get them where they needed to go. I still think that that's probably true. But like, you know, to your point, at the end there, did he have enough ability to do it on his own? No, he did. He did need <laughs> wow, some help, right. and yeah. you know, and that's that's the difference between you know Stafford and somebody like you know maybe an Aaron Rodgers, right? Where we talk about Aaron Rodgers over the years about how, and sometimes this gets overblown too. Aaron Rodgers has never had any weapons to work with and everything else, and I'm like, well, you know, that's okay, but you know, I think he has had some weapons to work with. But either way, you know, you could you could look at someone like that and say, you know, why did he get to a Super Bowl? Well, the organization's better. Uh, and maybe he's a better player. Maybe he's a better overall, you know, player who can run a little bit more, uh, who can do a little bit more things on the move. I mean, there's more to his game. But Stafford is like right underneath that level. I feel like he's right underneath the, you know, you bring this guy in and he just immediately changes everything. He's the guy who, if you have like one or two good players around him, he can make everybody look really, really good. If you just get everybody walking and chewing gum at the same time, so it's a unique, it's a unique legacy, I think for sure, because. It wasn't enough by itself to just completely change everything. He did need help, as it was shown. Um, not, you know, everywhere, but he did need some. And it's just, I think you go back and you look at that, like you said, 2014. You know, that's the one where everything kind of got a little complicated for people because the Lions changed so much with, you know, the coaching staffs and everything else. And that team had more, should have had more. It didn't work for whatever reason. You know, is Stafford a perfect quarterback? No. But, you know, to the guy who sits on his couch and complains and throws a huge fit every time he throws a interception in the fourth quarter when they're already down 17 for reasons that have nothing to do with him 
and says classic Stafford. You know, like that's you don't know anything about football. That guy or gal doesn't know the game. So a lot of the Stafford hate that he got in Detroit came from people who don't watch football. I think it came from people who turn it on and like to throw a fit, uh, you know, or whatever else. But if you really watch the game, it's hard. It, it was hard, especially in the last couple of years, to really ding him because I thought he was doing everything he could. I thought he was doing everything he could with what he had. Uh, and, it's, and we talked about this endlessly. The, the first half of 2019, he was an MVP candidate. I don't care. I mean, I had people tell me, you know, you're nuts. That's crazy. No, he was playing as well as any quarterback in the league. We've seen all the stuff he can do with, with his arm. Uh, Mahomes has all those no looks and all those deep shots and the crazy stuff. Stafford's arm is not much lower than that, folks. It's really, really good. You are going to miss watching. You're not even going to know it, but you're not going to see any more of these 70-yard touchdowns to the corner that he just pulls out of his back pocket. Like, that's all Matthew Stafford. Those are the things that people, I think, when 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 they don't see those next year, I think a lot of the people that spent time just endlessly complaining about him are going to remember, okay, yeah, he was probably better than I remember. I think that that's going to happen a lot for a lot of people when when he's somewhere else next year and and the yeah. Lions are not in that situation at quarterback, and you know we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think the other thing that strikes me is this is going to get folded into 60 years of this franchise mm-hmm. being miserable and not being able to win. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously he overlapped with Calvin Johnson, so there's some shared legacy there. But I think the one thing that also jumps out to me is just that this was – not always, certainly not the last at least two and a half years, maybe for a bit in 2018, but this Stafford situation was so many times really close to having a totally different legacy when it yeah. was done. Mm-hmm. You know, 2011 was the first year he played all 16 games. And he was great. Uh, and that was yeah. the year they lost They lost in week 17 to Matt Flynn, right, in Green Bay, cost them the division title. And otherwise, you're playing a home game as the NFC North champions in 2011. His third year. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And 2014, again, that was a defense. That defense could have played in the Super Bowl, and no one would have batted an eye, and you have the pass interference flag. And if you win that, you go to Lambeau the next week against a team that you've already beaten once in the regular season. And mm-hmm. so maybe you're playing in the conference championship that year. And, uh, like, these little misses just kept 2016. They had the last week of the – you know, they were 9-4, and four, and they lost yeah. the last three, including at home in week 17 to the Packers with the division on the line. And, like, all these little moments that – if just one of them flips the other way, right. not only is Stafford's legacy different, but like the way you talk about an entire era of Lions football is different. And so I think that that's, that makes it even more complicated to try to figure out his place in, in this exactly. Because I don't know that this is – I don't know that you can just lump this in as, you know, well, this is just what the Lions have been and always will be because I – I think there were moments where they were really, really close to sort of finding it. And for whatever reason, they kept slipping away. And I think that that's that's probably the most frustrating thing as Stafford looks back on this is that they were there were like four, five, six moments in time where they had a chance Mm -hmm. to push this through somewhere where it hadn't been and they just couldn't do it. Yeah. And a lot of the complaints that we would hear from people, you know, again, you know, they pay too much for him. He's too expensive. His contract's too big to work around. But, you know, 
And I know that he was the highest paid quarterback in the league at one time for what five minutes before that changed or whatever. But like that, some of that, <laughs> right? Some of that, as you'll find, is just what you have to do when you pick a lane at quarterback. Like you don't, you know what I mean? Like what mm-hmm. the all all these moments that you're talking about are, are like so critical and so important. And he probably has his fingerprints on a handful of them. But like none of those moments, I don't think we could go back and look at and say, well, it definitely would have been different if they had somebody other than Stafford playing quarterback. Like, that's not the case. So, you know, in almost probably almost every one of them, that's probably not the case. So the contract is the contract. You have to pay what you kind of have to pay. I mean, that just is what it is. And so a lot of the nitpicking and griping, I think, often came from just like endless frustration. Like you said, I think a lot of people that got angry or, you know, the reason why people thought Stafford was polarizing. I never really got that. You know, I've been, I haven't been covering the Lions forever, but I would always hear Stafford's such a polarizing player. And I'm like, why is he polarizing? All I see every time he's on TV is he's throwing the ball 107 miles an hour, like through a brick wall, and he's playing pretty well, well enough to win, usually. So I never really got that. I, I mean, he's not Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, I guess, but I mean, he's a pretty good player. I think that's why. I think that's, what, you know, I think that's, that's part it. of what it was, that he was always... And, in this division, I think that always yeah, that hurt might him. Be. You know, yeah. like if you take him and put him in the, I, I don't know, you put him in the NFC East for the last fifteen years, sure, twelve sure, years. I think this probably looks a little different, and I yeah. think that that was always sort of hanging over his head, which isn't fair to him either. Aaron Rodgers yeah. is one of the greatest quarterbacks Ever. in NFL history. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It is kind of a hard legacy. To put in perspective, but I think a lot of it comes back to what you said. I don't. I think people are going to miss it now that it's probably yeah. going to be gone. Even if whatever they put together next year is kind of fun to watch, it's not going to well, be what Matthew Stafford right. can do. And you're probably going to go watch Matthew Stafford win ten games on a and playoff yeah, contender. There it is, and there it is. Uh, wonder what might have been when people here watched. In Detroit, had to watch Justin Verlander go in a World Series. Oh, God, um, yeah. You know that was painful for a lot of people, and I remember it being, pain- you know, and I'm not a big baseball guy, but I, you know, I, I followed enough to know how painful that was because Verlander had been here for so long. If Matthew Stafford is playing in a Super Bowl <laughs> next year or the year after, I gotta tell you, I, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I hope people are strong enough to get through it because I think that's going to be really hard. Uh, that's yeah. the first thing that I think popped into. My head, I assume it is for a lot of people, was what am I going to think when I see Matthew Stafford leading the Colts or something into the Super Bowl? Like that, you know, that if you're a Lions loyalist, you know, like all these other guys we've talked about, Chris, like Calvin retired, Barry Sanders retired. They didn't come back. You didn't have to watch Barry Sanders lead the Dolphins to a Super Bowl. You didn't have to watch Calvin go play with a, you know, marginal quarterback and, and go deep into a playoff run. You are probably going to have to watch Matthew Stafford go play on a more functional football team and see what happens. And it, it's probably going to be really tough to stomach. And I think that that's, that's the thing where I, you know, that's the frustration part for Lions fans that you can't ignore. And I, it's totally understandable. Yeah. I, and then Verlander's a really good example there mm-hmm. because and the Tigers were more of a functional franchise than the Lions they were, have been. Right. And part of the, part of the pain there they were was close. that Detroit yeah. should have won. The Tigers should have won. A championship when Verlander was here, you don't really have that conversation with Stafford. But I think the the feelings are probably going to be the same because it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are going to start out really rooting for him to go do well and to get yeah. to places that he never could in Detroit. And then right. you're right, if it gets to where he's in the NFC champion AFC championship game next year, 
Yeah. I think there's going to be some conflicting emotions. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, my God, we couldn't have done this one time <laughs> right. in Detroit yeah. before he left. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be hard. And I, we saw it even as this news was, you know, broke over the weekend or whenever, mm-hmm. Saturday, right, whenever it happened. Yeah. All I remember, Saturday night. I think yeah. we were all... We were all kind of talking like I was. We were all like trying to cook dinner, and all of a sudden, they're yeah. just like throwing pans all over the place to get right. the computer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was so you're, you saw it right away. Fans were just like, "Yep." It sort of just hit them. Everyone kind of knew this was maybe going to happen, even this off season. But to hear it and to know that it's coming, uh, it, it it's tough. It's going to be emotional for people, I think, to see him in another uniform. So that's. That probably speaks to his legacy as as well as anything. Yep, and we can get more into Stafford as we go here. I'm sure we'll talk more about all that um, whenever the deal happens. And again, we assume it's happening. I think that, that, you know, if there's any window of whatever, I don't know how much of a window. They're not going to have a hard time trading him. I think that would have been the only hesitation on the lines. And like, if we can't trade you, then we're not going to do it just to do it. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So as they move forward here, Chris, of course... Um, Couple hires on Dan Campbell's staff. This is getting a little more clear now. Uh, a lot, some of these have been impressive. Some the Lions fans have been fired up about some of these. Um, defensive coordinator, obviously, Aaron Glenn um, is in. Um, special teams coach, who, who who was this? I I didn't see this. Special teams <laughs> uh, coach. This happened Fipp from Dave uh, Fipp from Philly. Yeah, so he is in. Anthony Lynn, of course, uh, reportedly over the weekend. I believe the Athletics confirmed that as well. Although that's not done yet. Um, that hasn't been. Officially announced, Glenn and Fip have been announced. Uh, they also announced today uh, John Dorsey uh, coming in for his role, uh, senior personnel senior executive, personnel. I believe, yep. right? Is that the mm-hmm. correct? And then what else did they announce today? I'm trying uh, Ray to Ray Agnew from the, who Agnew. the Rams uh, director of pro scouting, I believe, right. is now coming over to be the assistant GM. So that that one's interesting. I mean, those are those are all interesting. The Agnew one's interesting because he obviously knows this. Brad Holmes uh, Rams style yeah. system. Andy was on the pro side of things, whereas we talked about Brad right. Holmes was on the college side of things. So that uh, this is pretty interesting. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here on, on the personnel front there's office and yeah. coaching side of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to fall into place. But if you're sitting back and looking at this, um, a you've got to be impressed that they've been able to convince all these people to buy into what they're selling here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then B, if it does come together. They've got people that seemingly know what they're doing, uh, and especially right. like with John Dorsey, if you're going to be picking a quarterback this year or trying to fix that position, uh, that's a pretty good guy to have in your corner so. based on what we've seen from him. This seems to me like, and again, they've talked so much about how, you know, the, not wanting to use the word rebuild or whatever, but like, okay, whatever, this is a rebuild. <laughs> you're trading Stafford, so you're yeah, in. Right. This to me, though, looks like, like, you know, we'll see about Dan Campbell, obviously, right? But like Dorsey, Agnew, Holmes, um, Lynn, Glenn. I mean, this the guys that they brought in here, Deuce Staley. It seems like a, a nice group of coaches and kind of personal people that can help you take a situation that you're trying to restart and sort of guide a young a young base of talent forward. That's sort of my impression that I've you know, especially with somebody like Anthony Lynn, I think that's like my, you know, they need to get that official because that that's an impressive hire as much as, you know, Aaron Glenn was. But Lynn, you know, has been in weird situations before. He's been in situations on teams where they've been in an awkward spot with quarterbacks. 
Uh, he's had to take over, you know, in the middle of the season, uh, you know, and, and call plays, and he ended up that ended up with you know the best rushing offense in the league. His offense is really adaptable. I got into some of that. We'll write that, you know, that'll come out. I think maybe later this week. We'll see. But like, that's a really good hire, I think, in the sense that not only is he an accomplished coach who's respected and should should be someone who young people, um, you know, really gravitate toward and want to work with, uh, based on everything we've heard, including from Justin Herbert just recently, uh, but also a guy whose offense could let you kind of go in a number of different directions. It really doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, this quarterback or that quarterback or whatever. You can do a couple different things. I think that that's sort of what I've looked at this as, is they have some wiggle room here to kind of explore where the roster is going to take them. And then I really like, you know, some of these front office additions, you know, Dorsey, obviously we know, you know, his history uh, with identifying draft picks. We also know his history with, you know, when he's running the show as a GM, it hasn't always gone well from a communication standpoint, but if you can get everybody to stay in their seat, right? Uh, this looks like a pretty good situation from top to bottom. This this looks like a much better effort of building a front office and coaching staff operation in concert than we've probably seen from the Lions in I don't Ever. know. It might Ever. be it. This might be the <laughs> yeah, best attempt. This might be it. This might be the best <laughs> attempt, right? We don't know how it's going to work, but that's kind of what I was going to get into. This feels like the best attempt if nothing else, right? I mean like Full stop. You're throwing everything you got at this. We'll see if every decision was right, but it seems like you know their heads are in the right place, or at least their hearts are in the right place in terms of pushing forward and saying we're going to try everything, and that's what it's felt like. Yeah, and uh, you know, as long as we're teasing things, like I talked with Chris Spielman the other night. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have that coming out soon, but you know, one of the things he said they they had their like main list of criteria that they were looking for in coaching GM candidates. Rod Wood talked about a bunch of those both times, you know, guys who could lead the locker room and guys who had great character, guys who could communicate all these things. They had those criteria. And then Spielman said sort of a B list thing for him was, uh, he said, I always recognize great coaches do this. They surround themselves with people who have great potential. Mm. And I think that you're sort of seeing that, you know, I don't know how much potential you'd say John Dorsey has at this point. I think you're adding him for his experience in this and for what he's done sort of building projects. But Aaron Glenn's a guy who is already getting head coaching interviews. You probably, if things go well here, you probably don't have him for that long because he's going to go coach somewhere else. And Anthony Lynn, same thing. He's been a head coach, super well-respected. If that offense clicks for the next year or two with, Whomever is the quarterback, yeah. Anthony Lynn's probably moving on and going to be a head coach somewhere. And Ray, Ray Agnew, you would assume, is going to start getting some GM looks if the Lions do well. And I think that that's what you want, though, right? I mean, that's what you want. You want to have an organization that yeah, 100%. other organizations are looking at and saying, well, look look at what they did. Look at how they built this thing. And I, for the first time in a while, uh, maybe as we said, maybe ever, <laughs> you kind of have that in place where you could see teams – trying to copy sort of what the Lions did as they went through this process. And so I, I think that that alone is impressive. Again, does it work? I have no idea. Yeah, There's no, yeah. a lot to figure out here, but uh, I think that they've done as much as they can to get uh, uh, the process in place that works. And from Dan Campbell's perspective, again, I think he's probably more adept at X's and O's than we may have maybe giving him credit for you. Yeah. He's not like a Spanish teacher who's coaching JV <laughs> basketball because there's no one else available. Like he's been through this. He knows the game. Right. But I think what we talked about was the main reason they wanted him in here is because they needed someone to get this thing on the same page. They needed someone to get that locker room back together. 
And if they surrounded him with guys who knew what they were doing, this had a chance to really work. And yeah. they're surrounding him with guys who seemingly know what they're doing. So uh, I think that Lions fans should be excited, even as they're looking at uh, not knowing who their quarterback is going to be in 2021. And this is the part where taking everyone's input is, you know, and being collaborative is is the money because, you know, that's a great line from Spielman in that, you know, great coaches surround themselves with people who have great potential, you know, so that if someone else moves on, you have the ability to, you know, maintain your staff. So you're bringing in somebody like, like you said, you're trying to get people who can help get the locker room back together, get everybody on the same page. Like, I don't know if you can do better than Anthony, Anthony Lynn in that situation right now. I just don't. Like, he's... You know, a guy that obviously the Chargers had some issues, you know, were, you know, had some problems with uh, close games, had some, you know, miscommunications on the sideline, whatever. They had issues, but they also went 12 and 4 and had, you know, a terrific offense one year. They had, uh, you know, some potential. They got snake bitten a little bit. And then you go back and you read everything about, you know, Anthony Lynn's relationship with the team. And even up until weeks ago, it was. Maybe they should keep him because Justin Herbert seems to really like him a lot. Like they get along really well, plays hard for him. I, you know, read stuff that he talked about him back in December about, you know, how much he trusts him and everything else. Like to me, that seems like a slam dunk in terms of getting everybody on the same page there. And you flip it around to the defensive side and Glenn is in the same spot. So it's like, you're not going to have a problem. I wouldn't think having guys pulling in the same direction. If nothing else, that should improve you on some level by some percentage point that, you know, you're going to have guys all sort of buying into what's being sold. There's not going to be an excuse as to why you shouldn't buy into what's being sold, all that sort of thing. It has to go out the window. And then as you look forward, cause that was another thing I looked at with, with Anthony Lynn, like if this works out okay and is reasonably effective given the situation, he's probably going to get a lot of offers here pretty quickly. Maybe he's not here forever, but if he can bring people in with him, right. That, that, you know, can kind of work under him and grow, then maybe you have his replacement before it even gets started. So uh, that from that standpoint, the staff, obviously there's some connections there. You know, the Parcells connection with Lyndon Campbell, obviously Glenn comes over from, you know, being on the same staff. But I also think that, you know, you're bringing in people who seem to work really well with others, um, seem to have a reputation of exactly that. And that's all healthy and positive. And I mean, it's the NFL. I mean, these guys have coached at a high level before. I Like you said, I, I don't think that I'm going to sit here and say that, you know, Dan Campbell knows nothing about diagramming you know, a power play or something else. I I, I assume it's, he can pull that off. Uh, and then knowing what we know about Anthony Lynn's offense, I think it makes a lot of sense to do what they're doing, you know, but we'll just see. The roster is going to be the ultimate sort of answer here. We don't know what that's going to look like, and that's going to be, we're not going to know that until after the draft, basically. So we'll see where it, you know, what's reasonable, what's not based on what the roster is. But from a coaching staff standpoint, this feels like it's about as gone about as well as you could hope, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know if there was, yeah. if we had people asking us after we wrote that coordinators thing, who would your top two picks be? Basically, we wrote 10 of each side and Anthony Lynn and Glenn were the first two. I think I'm almost everybody I heard from. I don't know if I, I could be wrong, but in terms of coordinator picks, those seemed like to, from the fan standpoint, those seem to be the top, uh, the top favorites anyway. And I think that it's, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how people react to this moving forward because, it, you know, it's January 27th. It feels pretty exciting right now. The Lions are as visible nationally yeah, as they right. have been at this point in the season in a long time um, without playing, obviously. Uh, and it has gone well, and the trade could work out pretty well. 
And then at some point, you're going to get to the reality that this is going to be like a four or five win football team next yeah. year, probably. And so you kind of wonder, uh, it, maybe they surprise, maybe they have a really good offseason, maybe it all comes together and, you know, these coaching hires make a huge difference and they're a lot better than they're shaping up to be as we talk about rebuilding. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch this move forward to see how people react to what's a really good staff on paper and what's a really good front office on paper if if it takes until 2022 or 2023 to start seeing results are people going to stay with the program enough here and are the and are the lions going to commit to staying with the program i think that's sort of the other unknown you know like does anthony lynn want off the boat if they're terrible next year and they don't give him a quarterback that he can work with i i don't know i mean i think that this is they, they spent a lot of time and energy and went through this process really, really well and handled it, uh, by all accounts, extremely well. But, you know, this is step one of a thousand steps that they need to take to get yeah. to where they want to go. So how do you keep the ball rolling from here? And how do you make sure that, you know, when you get to March and April, you're still picking up guys that help. And when you get to September, you're competitive. So I think that, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious to see how fans – stay with this as it moves forward because we've seen plenty of rebuilding projects yeah. around Detroit over the last five to 10 years uh, with uh, sort of varying levels of patience from the fan base. I think as long as your best, you know, young pieces are obviously growing um, on, on any trend level or any track level, then I think fans are going to be maybe more willing to give this group the ben- a benefit of the doubt just based on what they saw the last three years where that, Obviously, wasn't ever the case. It didn't seem like it seemed like in some cases, you know, what you thought would be your best young players just got worse. Um, so, like, I think that that's one thing. Like, if you're not winning games, but like if Jeff Okuda makes a big turn, right, mm-hmm. and suddenly looks like a promising young player, if you're not winning a lot of games and Swift is making, you know, going in the direction that you think he should be, Hawkinson's going in the direction maybe, but you're still a couple pieces away. I think if those things are happening, you know, you know, some of the guys maybe they bring in this year in the draft. It all depends on what the quarterback situation will be. That's that's how I think people will stay on board. But if that's not happening, you know, and if this looks like a, a hapless, disorganized mess, which I think is the maybe probably the fear that it, is this going to be an organized operation or is this just going to be a bunch of guys who want to play hard but really have no idea how to go out there and do it, like that's not going to work for anybody either. So I think we're going to have to see – we really are going to have to see what it looks like on the field. I think that that's that's the main one. You're not going to know, you know, much about this until you see Dan Campbell on the sidelines and you see how the staff operates and you see what kind of, you know, how organized are they? What is their, you know, what's their plan, you know, in terms of, you know, their approach to a first half offensively, how are they going to establish what, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to use what weapons they have? Are they going to make sure that, you know, their best athletes are in situations that make sense as opposed to forcing some other guy in there and benching a guy, you know, like that sort of thing. I think that if they can just solve those problems, I think fans will give them a chance. But you also have to restock the roster here, and that's sort of going to be the dictating part of uh, the whole journey. Yeah, and like you said, I don't know that there's any real way to judge that until we can see it. Uh, I just don't. um, And I think that, I I don't know if they need to use the word rebuild. I don't think that's yeah, a yeah. way that they'd ever want to look at it. And like Dan Campbell said, and Brad Holmes said too, you know, like we're going to put the best team out there. We're going to try and win games every week, as we talked about even this past year. Like teams, 
Right. Don't maybe the GM tries to rebuild, but players aren't going out there. Dan Campbell's not going out there and rolling over exactly. with this right. roster. Yeah. Like they're going to go out and they're going to play hard, and we'll see what what wins come. But I, you know, I, I do think that um, I I'm also kind of curious to see if this is going to be more. Uh, you know, they talk about it being collaborative within the building, and I sort of hope that translates out not just from a media perspective, but from a pan, fan perspective, to there being mm-hmm. more transparency as they're walking people through this process, you know, as if they trade Stafford and they explain the yeah. value they got, or they, you know, they make, I'm sure he's not, Stafford is not going to be the only guy they move on from this year who played a pretty big role mm-hmm. last year. So <laughs> I think that that's going to be a part of this too. You know, how transparent are you about this uh, as yeah, you go forward? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. It, it's been a, it's got to slow down at some point. It's been a, we didn't even talk about Deuce Staley, who's another yeah. guy. <laughs> like uh, that's another guy who's kind of on a coordinator coaching track. Like th- there's a lot of guys coming in here that have bright futures in this league, and you you know hope for the Lions' sake that they still have those bright futures whenever their tenure here uh, happens to be up. If anything else, it's going to be an energetic situation with optimism, and I think that that's like the healthiest possible thing. Yeah. For a football team. I mean, I've seen so many coaching transitions over the years. Um, the one thing that is always universal, it seems to be, and if it's and if this isn't the case, you have real problems, is that, you know, guys in that first camp and that first whatever, they're working hard and sometimes they're working harder than they've ever worked in their lives, but it's going well when, you know, because usually you see guys with a little more lift, right? A little more bounce in the step. They're there's a there's something that they're working toward rather than trying to work to avoid a collapse, I guess, if that makes any sense. Like they've gone from working to avoid a collapse to working toward building something. And when mm-hmm. you're working toward building something, it just generally feels, maybe that wasn't the case with Patricia. That was probably the reason why everybody was, <laughs> was like, well, this is a, say, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's the opposite <laughs> there. But in a lot of the other ones that, you know, work out, especially in the immediate, maybe they work out long-term, maybe they don't. But in the immediate, you feel that from the players, the, the lift, even if it's even if they're grinding and it's uncomfortable and they're hot and sweat, but you just feel it, right? And so, I would think that this staff is going to have an opportunity to sort of get some of that, you know, enthusiasm, excitement. They really need to have a chance. Like COVID needs to work out so they can get out there and do some things this off season that they weren't allowed to do last year. I think that that would help a ton. But it does seem like they're going to be in a good spot one way or the other with the roster. However, it shakes out that when they get out there as a team and can actually start working, I would think that the attitude, the environment, the atmosphere, everything is just going to be looser, more optimistic, more hopeful. You don't know how long that's going to last, but I would think that that's going to be there at the start. And that's a pretty powerful thing that you can capitalize on and maybe give yourself a little momentum as you sort of, you know, kind of try to shrink those margins for air because you said, Chris, they're not going to be very good (laughs) next year. I don't think they're going to be a great team, but who knows? Uh, But I do think that positives, positive vibes should be the majority thing, uh, or or I guess the the thing hanging over the the place when it starts, as opposed to like last year where it was just like, well, I guess we have a season to play. So let's see if we can get, I mean, they were, they were dedicated to get the season in because it was difficult, but it, it felt the whole time it was just like, you know, a lot of guys that were like, I want to show for myself. And a lot of guys were like, well, we'll, we'll see if, you know, this can turn around, but it probably won't. And that was kind of the thought. And I, I don't think that, that that'll be the case this time. Yeah. And just the last thing I'll say is that sort of plays into what I was saying about the transparency of it. Because I think if you're yeah. 
if you're not great, but you're pulling in the right same direction and every, you know, you're sort of saying, all right, well, here's the progress we made with Okuda or whomever, like the, like you said, the young guys are making progress. You can kind of see yeah. how it's ramping up and you're able to admit where it's not great and where you need exactly. to make adjustments. I think that that's a big difference from what just went on for three years where it was, it's not working, but if you just shut up and let me do it, I'll <laughs> fix it eventually. <laughs> Right, like, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. Like, just <laughs> leave me alone and we'll fix it. And, right. uh, you know, that didn't work for anyone in the building. It didn't work for the fans. Uh, the fan base, not just because there weren't fans in Ford Field, but in general was probably yeah. as apathetic towards this team last year as I've maybe yeah, ever seen them yeah. uh, be. And I think, like you said, yeah, there's at least some some energy back. The next three months should be exciting. People are talking about the Lions and then – you got to find some way to kind of build on that. So, what well, you know, who knows? Who knows if it works? Who knows? It's right. There's, at yeah. least there's like the sun has come out a little bit after three <laughs> years of misery. The sun has come out. The Stafford cloud is still, I guess, well, is still there. We'll not, take, yeah, the sun's not all. We'll the way take out, we'll take partly cloudy <laughs> over over uh, Lions Land here. Uh, that's always makes our jobs a little easier when the readers are less furious <laughs> constantly. And I think that. I think I've sensed that for, from a lot of fans and listeners and readers and everything else. At, at least they're hopeful, right? And I think that, like we've said earlier, the the dedication to the process, right? And I think that that's maybe a good spot to end it. You know, we've talked about Sheila. We've talked about her sort of role in this. And it's been universal now almost, right? Like everyone we've heard from or everyone that's come in here, one way or the other, it seems, has sort of rooted this thing back to, you know, the first time that I sat down to talk with Sheila Ford, I was like, whoa, you know, like, the, mm-hmm. she's serious, she means it, she she wants to get this thing fixed for a number of different reasons, obviously, but I just don't think we can ignore that. I think that that's, that has to be noted, and we'll see how it works, but I think that Lions fans desperately needed to see something from the Ford family that was... In line with this, an effort, like a full-on effort. I don't know if this (laughs) is going to work at all. It might blow up spectacularly in their faces. We'll see. But damn alive, it was an effort. They they went out and they got Chris Spielman because they knew they needed help on the football front. They talked to as many people as they could. They talked to a ton of people about Dan Campbell, a ton of people about Brad Holmes. They they put everything they could into this, it seems like to me. I don't know if it's perfect. I don't know if it will work. But that's where it all goes back to me. There's been a lot of optimism lately, and I think that a lot of it needs to be sort of rooted back and directed towards Sheila Ford. Because I think she didn't have to do it like this. She didn't. Like her, <laughs> there's there's family history evidence that suggests she could have just said, "Rod, go figure it out. I don't want to deal with yeah. it. Go figure it out, or I will fire you and find someone who will." Like she could have done that, and she didn't. She was active. She was into it. I think that's a great thing. I think that's promising, and we'll see if it if it you know is beneficial in the long run. But I. That's that's what the Lions fans needed. That's what the base needed. They needed to hear from the ownership that they were going to take this thing seriously and really try. And yeah. I think she's passed that with flying colors so far. We'll see if it pans out. But so far, hard to uh, hard to say much uh, in the critical area there uh, with with Sheila Ford's efforts. I don't think it's too much to ask from a fan base that it's not the people running the team that you're cheering for care as much about that team as you do. Yeah, and I think that's all Lions fans want to see i don't think they saw it the last hiring cycle i don't think they saw it from the last coaching staff necessarily i don't think it translated from the players uh as they were so miserable over the last three years and and so now i 
you know, again, there's there's only so much to be gained from sort of digging in your heels on, you know, well, we're this is Detroit and we're tough. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that only gets you so far on Sundays. But I don't think it's a terrible thing to to try to rally this fan base around. No. Just kind of the, as they've called it, the ideals that they want this team to be have. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's been... A few weeks. There's a lot of work to do, but these past few weeks have been promising. Promising couple weeks. We'll see sort of where it all goes. Of course, if you are a fan of the podcast, be sure to give us a rating, a review. Hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends. Subscribe to The Athletic as well. Uh, Be sure to do that if you haven't already. I don't know what you're doing. We've got all sorts of Lions coverage up right now. There will be more mock drafts. This is going to be an interesting draft, I would assume, Chris. Uh, We've gotten into some Senior Bowl stuff. Not a ton, but there'll be a lot more, I feel like, that we can sort of discuss <laughs> yeah. through February, March, April, May than we were a year ago. So, um, interesting days ahead for sure. So, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on The Athletic, get the wallet out, and, and give us a shot. But if you're already in it, we appreciate you. If you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you. Shout out to all of our friends in Stockholm, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, and, <laughs> until, until next time, for Chris, I'm Nick. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>